Leo Tolstoy wrote the great classic War and Peace. And once he complained about people who were always talking about the good old days. He said they were foolish because in terms of all the important things of life, human aspirations, human feelings and failures, human nature, the good old days were no different from our own. Now, Tolstoy was a humanist, and so he had a way of thinking about life simply in human values. But I think his statement applies to Christianity too, because every now and then we hear people talking, and perhaps it's even crept into your mind and your heart, and I find it sometimes in my mind and my heart too, that, well, we, we think that if we could only get back to the early church, that pure form of church, then things would be amazingly better. Wouldn't it be wonderful, people say, if the church today could be like the church in those early centuries? Well, what we're going to do this morning is get a glimpse into what it was like for Paul to minister in that early church. And what we're going to see is two things, really. We're going to see the progress of the gospel. But we're going to see that with progress, there is always difficulty. There's always opposition. It's going to be three steps forward and then two steps back. And then perhaps one step back from there and another step back. The work of gospel ministry we're going to see this morning is difficult. It was difficult for the Apostle Paul. It was not easy in the early church. There was opposition. And there was opposition not from those outside the church... Paul faced opposition from those within the church. We're going to see that this morning. We've been working our way through the, through the book of Philippians and we've seen over the last couple of weeks that joy is not a theme of the letter but it is a dominant note within it. We saw two weeks ago that joy was not the product of ease but the Apostle Paul is talking about a joy in the book of Philippians that is discovered amidst the very strains and stresses of life. And Paul was calling this church that he was writing to, to partnership, to partnership in the gospel. This gospel that he had first preached to them. This gospel that now united him with them. He's in partnership with the gospel. They're to live their lives in that way. And he's living his life in that way whether he's defending the gospel or whether he's advancing the gospel. He says there in chapter 1, verse 5, he speaks about your partnership in the gospel. Verse 7, he speaks about defending and confirming the gospel. Verse 12, serving to advance the gospel. Verse 16, in the defense of the gospel. For the Apostle Paul, his life was about this gospel. He'll later on talk about in chapter 2 the work of the gospel and the cause of the gospel in chapter 4. It's not hard to realise what the Apostle Paul's life is about. And one of the dangers that we have is thinking that people have heard the gospel. I want us to pause and remember this morning that hearing the warning of not accepting the gospel is not necessarily hearing the gospel. We often think or can sometimes think there are so many people out there who have heard the gospel and who have rejected it. 
But this morning, I want to remind us that I don't think there are many who have heard the gospel. They've heard parts of the gospel. They've heard the implications, perhaps, of not believing the gospel and the judgment of hell. But they haven't heard the good news. They haven't heard about the deep forgiveness that is found in the Lord Jesus. And so this morning, friends, I want us to be reminded that there are many in our community who have not heard this gospel, this gospel that motivated the Apostle Paul, and this gospel is the gospel to motivate us, and there are people out there who have not heard it. There are people out there who will reject it when they hear it, but there are people who will accept it when they hear it too. The Apostle Paul's life was about the gospel. And this gospel we have contained within the scriptures. This gospel is not made up stories, but is the recollection of eyewitnesses. People like the uh, apostle, people like the uh, Luke, the writer of the gospel, who has taken great care to write down what people saw as they saw the progress of Jesus' ministry, that ministry of the gospel that was in Jesus' life, that now has been at work in Paul's life, and it's been at work in Paul's life in a powerful way. And in verse 12, he wants this church to hear about how this gospel has affected him. So why don't you um, turn to uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, and you can see what Paul wants this church to know, what is happening to him. Firstly, he wants them to know that the gospel is advancing. Have a look there in verse 12. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And we go, oh, well, of course. Um, he's the apostle Paul. He's an incredible preacher. There were you know, probably just crowds flocking to him, the way that thousands came out to be baptised by John the Baptist. But that's not how it's worked out, at least in this moment in Paul's life. Verse 12, when he's speaking about what has happened to him, he's not speaking about the crowds that are flocking to hear the gospel. He's speaking about his imprisonment. Uh, you know, it's like, uh, you know, in football, clubs spend literally millions of dollars to buy some players. And it's like, you know, Paul is this star player. And this, and this, you know, this, this football team has, has bought him. But as soon as he's on the pitch, in his very first encounter with the opposition, he's injured. And you could imagine what the team felt like to have their best player, the, the player who was going to take them to the grand final, now out on the bench. The Apostle Paul, it seems to many, is on the bench He's out of action. He's no help because he's locked up in prison. How can the gospel advance when the best player is on the bench? But Paul wants to say he might be on the bench, but that doesn't mean the team isn't winning. The gospel somehow, incredibly, is advancing even with the star player on the bench. And he wants to remind this church 
that this gospel work is not the Apostle Paul's work. This gospel work is not the church in Philippi's work. This gospel work is indeed God's work. And we see this in the pages of scripture. We see this back in Joseph's life. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, we're reminded, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Joseph, sold by his brothers, locked up in prison. It looks like it's a disaster for Joseph. But somehow in God's wonderful means, in his mysterious means to us, it's turned out for his good. The mystery of God's providence in Joseph's life as he was brought to Egypt was not a result merely of his brother's evil schemes. It was ultimately a result of God's providential work in his life, arranging all the circumstances so that he could be in the right place at the right time and the same for the Apostle Paul. God is so in control of the work of the gospel that he can even bench his star player and the gospel will progress. In fact, it could be that the team is doing even better with their star player on the bench because they realise that it's not actually about their star player. In verse 7, his chains and his trials, and here in verse 12, have become a means for the gospel to grow. And I think that's a wonderful reminder to us, don't you think? Often we can feel a little gloomy. We see the latest census result of the number of people saying that there are Christians dropping every year, every census. There seems like there's much opposition against Christianity, and there is. But friends, we ought not be too gloomy about being on the back foot. We ought not merely talk all the time about, do you know how small it is now? Or do you know how large things used to be? No, friends, we ought to be reminded that the gospel is advancing because it's God's gospel and it's his work. And it can be discouraging to see Christians on the back foot. But when Christians are on the back foot, often God is at work. If we could see it, if we could lift our eyes, it doesn't seem like it. I know that. But this is God's gospel and he will advance it. And even when it seems like the very strategies of the evil one are at work, when players are taken out, when ministries struggle, when Christians are opposed. Friends, this isn't a defeat of the gospel. This is an opportunity for it. And it's an opportunity to see God at work. It's an opportunity to see God at work because he is not napping. He reigns and he rules and he will see his gospel go forward. So firstly, the gospel is advancing. Secondly, we see that the message is being made clear. Verse 13. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. The word on the street is that Paul has not been imprisoned for a justifiable offence. 
He's not in chains because of obvious criminal activity. What's known is that he is in chains for Christ. There in verse 13. And I don't know about you, but it it reminds me, it's kind of reminiscent of Jesus himself. That they couldn't stick an actual charge at him. All those who knew him knew of his character. And as they sought to imprison him and execute him, they couldn't stop this message of the gospel going forward from Jerusalem. And now here, as they imprison his follower, in very similar circumstances, well, just as the gospel couldn't be stopped in Jerusalem, the gospel can't be stopped in the Mediterranean world either. And the gospel can't be stopped in our world. So firstly, the gospel is advancing. Secondly, the message is being made clear because Paul is suffering here for Christ. Not for his own gain, not for financial benefit to himself. Sometimes we see that, you know, in in the papers, we see that um, church officials have been charged with embezzlement, and that's that's a terrible thing. But here, the Apostle Paul,